Just, I just, uh, you know, we just think it's important, you know, one thing, just to have people in our body that we're just up here sharing and just learning more about each other and hearing what God is doing and has done. And so we're just gonna, that's going to be something we're just going to start doing. So there's no reason why he won't fit into the sermon, you know, but it's because uh, he loves the Lord. He's part of his coming community. And I'm going to be asking each one of you guys to come up and share so we can learn more about each other and see and, and just glorify God and what he's doing in our lives. And I and I, I just think I think the world of Frank, I just think God is doing a ton of stuff in his journey and um, just watching him just walk with the Lord and 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 just um, be a desire of, of of seeing God reveal stuff to him and him responding to Christ has been a blessing. So I appreciate you sharing, man. Thanks, family, for being so kind of the brother as he had thought it was hot out up here and stuff. So um, let me pray for us and we're going to go right to some training. OK, fam. Holy God, we pray that this will be a time where we truly would um, would, would want to know more about like yeah, your story and how and, and what it means. And we think of the, the cosmos and you being in control of all things. And how does it apply to our lives? Um, Lord, we just pray that you would make our hearts humble and, and hungry uh, for for your truth. Uh, we love you. May we enjoy our time together. Holy Spirit, um, glorify Jesus in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, we're in the end of chapter 12. If you're new here, we're going through the book of John. And um, it's a, <clears throat> we're doing yeah, John chapter 12, verses 37 through 50. For the sake of some of the stuff we're going to be talking about, it's going to be some kind of, some big picture doctrine stuff too, um, that I'm going to ask actually just the only time. Now, if you're new here, we always let you, we want you to ask questions. And we're totally cool with that. Uh, we, want to, we encourage that. Today, I'm going to ask that you not ask questions uh, I'm gonna try something that my one of my sisters uh, encouraged me to do, and see uh, see how see how it works out. Uh, I'm gonna ask questions at the end, okay? So that hopefully that gives me a time to sort of to set the set the stage, set the argument of what what I, what it seems that Jesus is trying to do, and the author John, um, and then hopefully you can jot down your questions. Um, so if you like, like, but I gotta. So I'm, I want to encourage you. If I say something that's kind of crazy to you, uh, don't like tune out the rest of the, the talk. You know, hear the story of God and, and try and jot that one down and, tr- and just trust Jesus. And then we'll, um, you, can, you can ask that question toward the end, okay? Uh, so John chapter 12, uh, if you need Bibles, we have, yeah, Ronnie, thanks, buddy. Uh, you can please raise your hand. You'll grab, we'll get you a Bible. Uh, if you need a pen, pencil, whatever, you turn your, your program on the back, you'll see in a place to take notes. Uh, the end of John chapter 12 is very, is very interesting. We had just... Um, Going through uh, many verses in John, actually we did, I think, you know, the whole, all of John 12 itself for the end, uh, and we see we're at the last stage uh, of Jesus uh, before he enters into this whole passion, this whole passion week deal. Uh, so, so this is, basically the authors was, was, was trying to set a stage where they're saying this is almost like him at his last sort of public appearing of, of this, this, you know, describing doctrine, describing his truth, who he is, and, try, and giving people an opportunity. So we're at this last stage of that, okay? Um, now, what, what I want to do is, I, John chapter 12, verses 37 uh, through 50 has, it's like almost two big picture thoughts here. Uh, there's, so I'm going to start with sort of main thought one, which I want to say, if, you, if you're taking notes, verses 37 uh, through 43, uh, this, and it's this whole reality of, of belief. Okay? Oh, we need more Bibles. If, there, if people need more Bibles, please. Thanks, Lee. 
And so what we do is we start, we start in verse 37, and it's almost like we see, you know, in the end he just, he just shared, and then it said in the scriptures uh, in verse 36 uh, that he left and hid, right? Uh, and then we, we have almost verses 37 through uh, 43 being this, this, this impact of, of what he's already shared. So, so almost we're getting, we're getting a reverb, we're getting sort of the commentary, it's almost like the press conference. So, so Jesus said that, what do you think about it? So now we got, this is... So this is now like sort of the thoughts behind some of the some of the stuff that was shared. And we start at um, verse 37. It says, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, don't miss that, in their presence, they still would not believe in him. Um, This was to fulfill. Now, the question you might ask yourself is, so why why would they not believe in him? Right. Like, I mean, he did all this stuff in front of them. Why, why don't they believe in Jesus? And we and we all, you know, I mean, if we're honest, we, we, we I know I do. We, always, we go, man, if I saw that, man, I'd have been sold out. You know, if I saw a dead dude raise, you know, a chair talk to me, whatever we think will make us go, oh, I want to serve Jesus. Now, that was kind of supernatural. You know, it'd be a no brainer. What's up with these knuckleheads? That's how I can think a lot of times. But here's but notice what it says here. So why did they not believe in him? Well, it says in verse 38, um, this was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. So actually, I would propose to you that your answer to verse 37 is in verse 38. Now, it's a hard answer, but I would propose to you it is the answer that's given. All right. The reason why they didn't believe uh, is because he's, that we see this fulfillment happening, this fulfillment of the, of the Old Testament. And what is, what is it saying in the Old Testament? It says in Scripture, Lord... Are you with me here? It was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Verse 39. For this reason, they could not believe him. They could not believe because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, elsewhere, he had blinded their eyes. So blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn and I would heal them. Okay. So, what what's going on here? I mean, that's some that's some hard stuff. It, 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 this is what people people are, people get sort of trapped, you know, tripped up by this because it seems it seems like what they're saying here is like wow, like they they couldn't believe even if they wanted to, right? When you say that's what it looks like, so it's it's so you're kind of like man, that's kind of messed up. What what's going on here? And I want to talk about uh, this whole reality of of God's sovereignty. And man's responsibility. Now, do we remember some of the some of the traits that we said when we talked about? Remember, we we we, we described sovereignty. You guys remember that? Does anybody remember what we said with some of the definitions, the nuances? Nick, God's hand not being forced. That was definitely one of them. Thank you, brother. Any other ones? Oh, some nuances to sovereignty. I want to make sure we understand sovereignty, or at least agree on what the term is. Remember? I love some of you guys. Like my sister right here, she's like, I remember that part, but what, what was it? What was it? Yeah, right. Well, yeah, so. His overall power and control. So we got God's hand can't be manipulated, uh, but then at the very same time as his hand not being forced, he is over and he's in control of all things. So he, so he is influencing all matters. That's just what sovereign, that's sovereignty. Frank, buddy? Somebody got notes over here. Come on, man. Freedom from external control. 
self-governing. Okay? It's like he, he, is, he, he is the rule maker. He is the rule. So he governs himself. Like, like what, what is comes from him. So, he, so there's, nothing, there's nothing that's holding him bound. There's nothing that he says, well, I want to do this, but if I do that, then I won't be... None of that. He, he's self-governing. He is just all... It's just, what do, what do I want to do? I make the call. Like, now this is truth. And that's a lie. And it is, because he is, he is the one that, that makes all the rules, right? That's, that's just who, who our God is. And one of the things, one of the desires here is when we think of Scripture, guys, even as we come here and we do training, what our heart is, our heart is, Lord, would you allow uh, the unbeliever... You know, as we're just going, like, what's this Jesus thing? And then we're all, we've all been there, if you're a believer right now, uh, for, for them to go, wow, I, I want to love God. He loves me that much. He's, he's who he is. I want to love him. And also for, for the believer. And on this, this is why, like, even with John, John's an interesting book. It makes you want to jump out a window because it's the same theme over and over again. And what, what, what John is trying to do for us who say yes to Jesus, no matter where you are in your trajectory, he's trying to each time that you read the scriptures that your view of God goes from here to here and to here and to here. Is that each time our view of God should expand. Like, whoa, that's the Lord? That's whom I serve? That's who loves me, no matter where you are. So that, that's, that's what God is doing right now in all of our hearts. That's what he desires to do, just to, just to set the stage as we, as we go through this stuff. So, so we got God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. Now, now to help with this, here's some scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, um, and also uh, James uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Um, this, this is a hard thing to deal with, guys, but I want to I I try and share it a little bit. I don't know how it all works, because God's sovereignty is sort of like the umbrella. But, but what I can't do, I, I have to say that there's some sense, it seems that there's some sense in scriptures that God is saying that man has responsibility. So there's God's sovereignty, but also that God holds man responsible for their actions. Okay? Now, the, the clearest picture of where I see this is in Romans chapter 1. And what he shows is this. He shows that there's, there's, we are evil people, okay? So we all start out messed up and evil. And then what happens is, is God sovereign, what he does, he says, all right, now everyone's headed to this ditch of abyss of death and, and evil, right? Everyone's headed there. And then what he does is he, he graciously grabs some, some of us and says, hey, come, come here. You know, and, but here's the funny thing. It seems that the scripture is teaching that they're not headed to this abyss as robots. That we're not headed here as robots, but we're headed here and we're choosing to go there in our maredness. Okay? And so that's what's interesting in Romans because it seems a picture that he provides. When you look at Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, you'll see here he gives this talk of they were in sin, they were evil, and then I got basically tired of it, so I gave them over to that evil. I say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of trying to ask you to be the man or woman I've called you to be, and you keep dogging me. And so what I'm going to do, I'm just going to give you over to, to your passionate lust, the Bible says. Okay? So it's the sense of God saying, this is where we want to head, and then he sort of just says, well, that's where you want to go. Okay. Okay? Now, how do we marry that? Okay, so you got God's sovereignty, you got man's responsibility. He's saying, so God then at the end of the day can say, no... You want, you want an evil. That's what you want. Now, what do we do with that? So we're like, man, I don't know about this E. Here's what's hard, but here's what's beautiful about that. The beauty about God's sovereignty in that story is it forces each one of us 
to have to say, there's absolutely nothing I've done to be saved. That's what it, for, it forces you to have to say that. It forces me to have to say that without the grace of God opening my eyes and drawing me to himself, I would be going down that road and I would be falling into that abyss. Because usually when people, and what it's supposed to do is make you say, thank you, Jesus. That's, that's what the reality, what it does. What usually happens is people get away from the thankfulness and what God has done in their life, and they go, well, what about this person? And what about the, as if, as if we as people actually have something to offer God. As if, well, not, what about Judy? You know, if God is so loving, what about, and as if, they, 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 they have something to say. No, they, they have a little tidbit of something to offer God. And because that, he's supposed to be able to love them and serve them. But we, we miss it. God is saying we're all evil. We're all total deprived. And that without God stepping in, we all head to death. It's not, it's not extremely popular. It's extremely biblical. Now, the thing is, I, I say, so, so what, do you, what do you do there? Because, so if that's the case, then why do you share your faith? And why do you, you know, what, what are we doing then? Um, and it's interesting to me because I was like, well, you know, I was just thinking about my friend Mario, uh, a guy that uh, we, you know, I've been sharing, we grew up together, and we did a lot of dirt, you know, I mean, just a lot of crazy stuff. And he just wilded out. <clears throat> and Sarah and I, uh, was it the day before we got married? We had our time. Um, we, had, we had my, Eric and him threw me a bachelor deal. And, and all my unbeliever friends, all my believer friends should have saw it. So my, my, my friends who love God, they're like, let's pray for you. And they're praying. And all my, my, my unbeliever friends are like, what in the world is going on? You know, and guys crying and stuff. And this is, it's blowing their minds. Can you imagine? The unbel- I mean, we all think back. I mean, I'm, I was used to be an unbeliever. I couldn't imagine being that, like, other-centered. Why am I spending all my time praying for you? <laughs> crying about you. Like, that's just kind of weird. Let's party. Where the cake? You know, kind of deal. You know what I'm saying? And so, so, so he sees all this, and I'm thinking, well, the Lord is working, the Lord is working. The next day, I'm like, I feel like the Lord is like, you need to share the gospel with him. So share the gospel with him. And he looks at me dead in the eyes and says, e, that's cool, man, but I think that's kind of silly, man. And, you know, I'm going to do my thing. And, I mean, he, he had, it was cool. It was interesting because his, his philosophy was, was grafted. He knew what he wanted to be about. It was just totally demonic, right? So I'm like, wow. So in my mind, I'm like, this guy's never going to come to faith, you know, well. He just closed the door, blah, blah, blah. And for, and for four or five years, five years, maybe six years, because we'll be married seven years in August, six years, we would come, we see him when we go to Cleveland. I mean, no, like, I like the Bible. I mean, no, you know how sometimes some people got, they, they move a little inch closer or something, and you're like, oh, I see, he's talking more, he, he lets me pray now, he's not frowning or none of that. Just straight flat line. We're like, well, well we keep seeing him, loving on him, just, just doing life with him. Glass ceiling, totally, because we love Jesus and they don't. Okay? All of a sudden, we get a text. Said five months ago, and I, man, I just remember what the text said. Um, the, the, so basically, what I've been running from for many years, I finally gave my life to Jesus. <laughs> unbelievable. Me and Sarah were like, "Are you kidding?" I showed Sarah. We're like, "It was unbelievable." I mean, I mean, totally blindsided me. My point in bringing that story up is just a practical example: is that you you don't know. Who God has grabbed, and you don't know who He's who He's wooing and drawing to Himself, and so it's not even about us saying, "Oh well, you look like you never gonna come to faith, and you look like you kind of that's totally man-centered." 
it, it, and so I think the way, so, so we can't go there. You just never know. So God is basically saying, my people are out there, and I'm grabbing my people. And that's why we're called to now be on mission, to be missionaries, just like to follow, to retell the story of Jesus Christ. And I would say, for a person in here right now, it seems like I, w- I would share this to the unbeliever or a person who you know, like, you're playing around or you don't, you know, you're doing religion and you don't love God. Um, is I would say, when you, when you see the reality of these passages, I wonder if, 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 if part of the response should be for the unbeliever to say, Lord, would you allow my heart not to get hard? Would you, would you if you're real, would you, would you please reveal yourself to me? Would you allow my, like if I'm hearing this stuff right now, like would you, would you not allow me just to sort of this continually allow my heart to be more harder and harder? Lord, would you do, would you do something that I can't do on myself? I wonder if that should be the response. If the reality is that God grabs and chooses and we, and we don't. I wonder if the response is one of deep humility where we need to say, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel kind of like I just come here and I just want everybody to serve me and it's about me and, I don't really, you know, God, God, smile. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll say Jesus. And, but you know you don't love the Lord. I want to ask you to really say, man, if I read this passage and I see, you know, it's almost like a, we, we talked about in John, that, 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 the, that, that the book of John is like, it's a big play. And there's these different acts, acts one, two, three, four. And then there's characters. And all throughout John, basically what John is doing is he's saying, I want you to ask yourself, which one are you? When you see these, it's to say, am I, is that me? Am I, am I that guy who's hard, who's, who's, my heart's dead and blinded? And if so, I just want to ask you to ask the Lord to, to soften your heart. Because, man, that'd be scary if, if, I, if I was looking at that. Because I've been there. Well, I've looked at that passage and went, I mean, that's kind of me. And then I, I, I wished it away as in, well, I go to church and whatever. So I wonder if, if, um, if practically that is a good response for the unbeliever. But, I, but what I want us to get is God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. It seems that God is over all things and that God is saying man is totally responsible because men are led in themselves with their, into their passionate lusts. And then what God does is not he makes you have passionate lusts, you're led into passionate lusts, and then he continues to give you over to them. Seems to be. And that comes again. I've given you some scripture verses. You can do to, uh, read through them and then we can have more of a discussion. Uh, so he, so he, he gives us that framework to start off and sort of um, almost to encourage us, right? So, you know, these, these guys didn't believe, but you know what? It seems like the, the main picture is that, is that faith, uh, faith in God um, and unbelief are all part of God's plan. And that's kind of, I think it's kind of interesting that, that the unbeliever and the believer, like, that, that God is cool with that. He, that's part of his plan to bring about his glory, which I think he makes very clear again in Romans chapter 9 and chapter 11, um, that he does that uh, for a specific reason. Okay, so, that, so that's, that's the, the God's sovereignty and responsibility. I know that's pretty dense. Um, I hope that helps a little bit of seeing that passage there. Um, I, would, I would encourage you to continue to research and just, and just and, and meditate on those truths that you see that are so clear in Scripture. But most importantly, to be blessing God if he's revealed himself to you and you've responded in Jesus. And if you have not, to be asking yourself, is this me? Am I that character? And it, I don't, and it doesn't show itself by you throwing bricks at a church. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, okay, now let's get to part two, okay? Part two, um, I'm sorry, verse 41. <clears throat> It says, Isaiah said uh, this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Let me, let me speak to that one moment. Jesus' glory. What's Jesus' glory here? Okay, we know a lot of times we talk about Jesus' glory being a cross. 
But it seems that the context of this passage, uh, the, rep, the, the glory being, you know, honor and attention, that, that what he wants to focus in on here is not necessarily the cross family, but it seems that the whole focus here is the rejection, is that they, the, the unbelief. Is that, you know what, he says, they didn't believe, the prophets said they wouldn't believe, but guess what, Isaiah talked about this to just display the glory of God. That's how the argument goes. You see that toward the end of the verse? Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. And so he, he so it's, it's a sense of like the cross, which we can add that too. I mean, that's, I believe, the apex of everything. And, and that's the, sort of the ultimate rejection that they killed him. But it seemed to hold that the reality is this, this, this sense of suffering and rejection was Jesus' glory. Blows me away that the very thing that we don't want to endure, partake of, is what actually um, God used to set us free. Verse 42, it says, Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they will be put out of the synagogue. For they love praise from men more than praise from God. So remember, this part one here is him talking in general family. He's talking in general about, okay, so Jesus did this stuff. What are people thinking about it? Okay, that's what's happening right now. So we first see many people aren't believing, but we get why. Um, at the same time, uh, we see that, hey, this, this displays Jesus' glory. And then verse 42 and 43 says, but then there are some who believed. Okay? Now, I don't understand how this goes. Because there's some people, now this is where I'm just asking you, I'm just going to share and, and, and get your thoughts. Well, some people would say that this is basically um, that the Pharisees who did not believe, um, Love praise from men more than praise from God, and so that's why they threw him out of the synagogue. I don't think that's the case. Um, it seems to me that the grammar is saying that the people believed, uh, but, because, uh, but because the Pharisees would throw them out, uh, they wouldn't confess their faith. Um, that just seems to me, because you got your, your pronoun they, and usually when you have relative pronouns, it, goes to, it, it, it really follows basically the last noun. Right. And in this sense, you got the last pronoun, which you got to all the days. So because of the Pharisees, uh, well, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they, obviously those who believe, would not confess faith for, uh, for fear. They, seems to me, wouldn't be, they wouldn't change and the relative pronoun would be different. Now, going back to the Pharisees, it seems to me it would be the same they who believe will be put out of the synagogue for they, again, it seems like that would be really weird for the for a person reading or hearing this. For they, I would say again, is the people who believe love praise from men more than praise from God. And man, because I, I because it seems grammatically correct, I don't know what to do with that. To be honest, I'm going. So what does that mean? Like, um, I looked at it too, and it's um, yeah, the same same relative pronouns. So I actually looked at it in the Greek because I was like, man, this is kind of weird. How am I gonna say this to people? Um, so, to be honest, I'm still out to lunch on that, on that passage there, verse 42 and 43. I'm not knowing where, where um, what John is trying to say there. That's all I got for that one. Um, so, so uh, but I don't think, I mean, I think we can still get, know Jesus and get saved and not know verse 42 and 43. So, um, but I think we should continue to research it. Oh, uh, we're saving them at the end. Yeah, I just got to do that. Got to do it. It wasn't a question? Oh, you want to, oh, please, just share some light. I wonder, like, Jesus, 
Well, and, and, and to be honest, I lean toward that, but I, I know uh, Colleen and Rich already get nervous because I'm always talking about, I'm just thinking about the faith piece. Like, you know, I'm always, <laughs> no, like, so, so I, I, lean, I lean toward that, but I, I want us to, I just want to do the work a little bit because I, I, like, I lean toward what, what, what Nate's trying to say basically is that the Bible can say belief and what he does is in essence show you that belief isn't what we think belief is. Is belief isn't like knowing, like, assenting the facts and saying, like, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but, but somebody comes with a dope man Uzi talking about, do you believe in Jesus? I go, no, no, I really do, but no, no, you know. Like, Jesus is saying, in essence, you don't believe, um, right? And that, but I think that, that makes sense. So I think that basically, do you bet your life on it? Will you, will you be willing to be thrown out of a synagogue to believe in Christ? You know, like, Yeah, I would say, see, y'all, y'all trying to get me in trouble. Okay, so I would say that the Bible is very clear that, that there is no, that there is, there's gradations of belief, but there's saving faith, and saving faith is, is totally, is saying he's, he's, he has a throne in my life. And that, and I, and I would propose, I would propose, I'm still out to lunch for this, I propose that necessarily this isn't saving faith. But that's just, that's me and my opinion that haven't done tons of research yet, alright, so don't leave the church. I still believe, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to, I'm on that journey. Um, so let me continue on. Y'all tricked me. So, um, so now we get to part two. Okay. But, but that's something to, to, to really wrestle with. Like, like what, like the, the, the faith that Jesus had in the mindset of first century Jew, is that, is that what I'm, is that what I'm thinking? Or have I proposed what I think faith is on, on Jesus? See, that one's dangerous. That one puts you in a dark alley and you can end up in, you know, apart from God forever. The other one says, I want to embrace what Jesus says is faith is what we're trying to, is, where we, is, where we, is our goal. What does Jesus say is faith? So um, now part two is more of an SAT, verses 44 through 50, okay? Um, he gives an SAT. He says, okay, I'm going to take all the, I'm going to take a lot of the themes that um, we've talked about already uh, from verses chapter one uh, through chapter 11, and I want to test you a little bit. That's just me saying that. But he gives, he, he packs these verses full of themes. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to fly through these real quick. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to fly through these, and uh, we'll see what the Lord does. It says, then Jesus cried out, uh, when a man believes in me. Now, isn't that interesting? He hid. They started talking about him, but all of a sudden, Jesus is back on the scene again, which is, I don't know how that worked out, because he hid, because they were going to you know, kill him. And so he's back on the scene. Jesus cried out, and this isn't a cry out of a sense of, like, I'm mad. It seems to me that the tenor of the passage here is one of one more, like, it's almost like um, him, him saying, it's almost like a... Uh, like, please come to faith cry. It's almost like a cry of love, not frustration. Um, as you listen to what, he, what he's saying, in my opinion, it seems to... Uh, it says, Jesus cried out, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, uh, but in the one who sent me. Uh, so so there's, kind of, there's a couple things. First, the first one is faith. Uh, this is a huge, the huge theme that seems um, to, to flow throughout uh, John, okay? And now we're talking about faith. I can, I can go there a little bit. Now... The, the, the dichotomy of lordship salvation is basically what we're talking about. I'm trying to save it to now. Okay? And that is, the, the, when I say dichotomy, because to lordship salvation, uh, as if there's a different kind of salvation, is not biblical. You hear me, family? Like, there's not like salvation and then lordship salvation. That's not biblical. Lordship salvation is salvation, according to the Bible. 
And what, now, what, what does that mean? Um, people, we, and I feel like this is probably the biggest lie in maybe our parents' generation, and it's been seeping into ours, and I think we're trying to get, get it right again. But definitely in our parents' generation, this is, this is a biggie. And, and so it looks like this. People can say, I want Jesus uh, to be, you know, to, to pay for my sin, but not be my Lord. You see that? So, so people think that that's just a certain kind of salvation, that Jesus can, like, he can bless me, he can be my, he can... He could be my savior, but I don't know if I want him as my Lord. And I want to proclaim that the scriptures are very clear. That's not, Christ, that's not Christianity. That's not salvation. So, and so I tell people all the time, I remember when I was in crusade, and I would have other staff members coming up to me going, oh, yeah, this guy, he's a Christian. He's just not walking. That don't make any sense. Christians walk. So, so, so that, and that's why people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. But that, I'm just saying, that... that that, 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 the mindset of the first thing you do, he said it to Jesus, he would look at you like, what? Like, did you not go through John? Like, no. Like, like allegiance is to me. So, 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 God, so God taking his rightful place seemed to be what faith is. When I say rightful place, it seems a picture of a throne in Scripture, guys. And basically, God is saying that each one of us either, either is on the throne ourselves or we place something on the throne. Okay, so either we're sitting on the throne, which is usually a, is a lot of the times, but every once in a while there might be a material possession on the throne, some dude or some woman, uh, you name your kids, whatever, might be on the throne. And then, what, and then what Christianity is about is that Jesus reveals himself to you and me, and then we say, Jesus, okay, I believe you're king, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take whatever that thing is off the throne, and I'm going to put you in your rightful place and throne over my life. That's Christianity. Right. And so and so if, if when people aren't doing that. Right. And now, here, now I know we go. The first thing we think is we think of our messed up lives. I get that because I'm all messed up, too. Right. And we go, man, I'm foul. And, you know, he was on my throne Monday, like at 215 or 240. But then at three o'clock, you know, I'll do my thing. You know, we start. We start we start tallying. But see, that's the trick of the enemy. What we're not talking about, we're not talking about your goodness. We're talking about your heart devotion. Those are very good. Those are very different, family. Your goodness can't buy you anything. God doesn't want you to be good and a nicer Christian, a nicer person. This is not about saying, look at all the stuff I do. I've never had an impure thought. Totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. In fact, I will tell you, the Bible tells you you're going to have a lot of impure thoughts. And the goal of sin is not that you have impure thoughts, but you're not supposed to gratify them. That's a whole other sermon. But the thing is, so God, God is saying, God is saying no. So, so here's where you, here, here's, you see the throne and you're saying, God, and all my junk. Now hear me, family, if you're like going, what's this Jesus thing? Hear, hear this person, if you, if you haven't given yourself to Jesus yet. Hear the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel is not what you bring to the table. See, the beauty of the gospel is that in the midst of your, of you saying, Lord, I want to put you on the throne, is you do that in an environment of grace. That grace is unmerited favor. That's the beauty of the gospel, is that in all of your messed upness, in all of your, your, your desire to want to displease the Lord, but you say, Lord, I believe you're real, and I want to give you my life, but man, it's so hard, and you're crying out, and you're fighting for Jesus. That's what the Lord wants. You hear me, family? It's not the perfection. It's the devotion. See, see, that's the thing that we've got to get right here at MacApp. And, and, and in my heart, I'm like, Lord, help me understand even how to disciple better. Because I look at some of the guys I'm discipling, and I'm going, man, I think, I think they want me to have them live like me. I'm like, no, no, no. I want you to understand God's heart. I don't care. 
It's about knowing, the, I mean, my, my wife said the other day, knowing the heart of the Father is the goal of discipleship. For you to respond to Jesus, God loves me? Wow, that moves me to this. God cares for me? Wow, that moves that's so hard. So, so, so what God is saying is the beauty of grace is in your stuff. You can say, Lord, I am messed up. And an accuser of the brethren says, you're messed up. And you go, I know. That's why I gave my life to Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. This is not about perfection. It's not about getting yourself together. But see, the thing, what, what mixes it up, is then we hear that. We go, oh, so I can do whatever I want? No, because of devotion. Devotion. I mess up all the times with Sarah. All the time. Not perfect in the least. Had a huge argument yesterday. So, come on. So the beauty of us modeling the Trinity is that in, in, in our, in, in they're perfect, in our messed upness that I can still know that she knows that I'm committed to her. She has my devotion. That, 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 that's my woman. That's my, that's my bride that I go, baby, I know I messed up. And right now you're mad at me and I'm mad at you. But guess what? We're committed. See, see, the thing is, so I always tell me, my brother, like, what's faith? What's faith? I was like, brother, let me ask you, let me just tell you this. Here's this family. If you're going, because I, I, I want us to get this and our community to get this. Here's this family so that you can respond accurately to the Lord. Ask yourself this. Look in the mirror and say, when I look at my life, forget the doctrine. Can I look in the mirror and say, with all my messed upness, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I mess up. That's a key indicator of your heart. Can you say, and I, you know what? And I, and, I, and I try to model that in making radical decisions and trying to be a man or woman of character. And, and it always meant, but I love you with all my heart. At the end of the day, can you say, I love Jesus? Not I go to church, do some stuff. But I love the Lord. I'm going to close there. I can't even go to the other four things. <laughs> um, so the first one is faith. Uh, God is saying that in every person, there is, there is, it is unbelief to say that lordship is sort of Christianity 201. Lordship is not like, oh, I become a Christian, and then if I want to get real deep, I actually give God my heart. That's unbiblical family. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The, the, the Bible teaches that Jesus is your Lord or he's not. And that, and then, but, we, but we can enter into that reality, not shaken, have I don't have together, but with great joy and just like, wow, I can know God because of what he's done. And I can just rest in the beauty of the cross. That's what I think Christianity is on. Believable that God would do that for us. So, family, uh, we, we're going to, um, well, next week, I want to encourage you. We're going to have a great time, Easter. I'm really excited about talking about the resurrection because I think we have some misconceptions of the resurrection, and I'm, I'm really excited about talking about what the scriptures teach. Um, please um, invite some friends, but please, uh, I pray that you will be here because it's going to be hopefully a very informative time where it will lead toward worship in your heart. Um, and then uh, the next week, Man, how am I going to do this? Because I'm going to actually be gone, but Nate's going to be teaching. But I want to circle back to this passage to this end with some of the other, other truths. So if you can just um, give me grace, hello, um, and, and, and just chew on the reality of what biblical faith is, or research the scriptures, uh, that would be great. Let's um, spend time in prayer.
We're going to take uh, tithe and offerings. Um, obviously, I-, I fooled you guys too because there's no time for questions. And um, <laughs> and uh, so what we can do if you if you're new here at Mac Avenue Community Church, um, we ask that you if you you know if you don't know much about tithing. Uh, well, we just ask you to keep your wives to your side, your purses to your side. Um, if you're a Mac Aver, we, we ask that you enter into this time of worship. If you're a believer and you understand what we're doing right here, that this is a time where we're saying, God, you've given us everything, and this is just us saying we love you, and here's your, here's your stuff to advance your kingdom because it's about you, please feel free to give. Um, but don't do any of that out of compulsion, family. Uh, let me pray for our, our time of, of tithe. We're going to have a song. Um, during this song, just ask the Lord, like, Lord, if you, know, if you know Jesus right now, you said, I've, I've done that. I've said, Lord, you're my king, and I know I messed up. I have nothing to offer you. Rejoice in that. Just, just enjoy the gospel. Just spend time singing and just enjoy that God has made you alive. Um, and if you're, like, thinking more about this, I pray that right now you would say yes to Christ. And it's simply by saying, Lord, that I want to I be recognized. What repentance is, I want to recognize that I have been king over my life or something else has been king over my life. And repent and say, Lord, I'm changing my way. I want you to be the king of my life. Uh, forgive me of my sin, Lord, and just take, take control. Do your thing. And the Lord says, according to Scripture, that he's, he's faithful and he'll do that. He will, um, he will be your king and you will be a friend of God and a co-heir with Christ. Um, and there's nothing, you know hoops you've got to jump through. But God is saying, would you just trust him with your life and take his life? Let me pray. Dear Jesus, we pray that um, you would allow the tithe and offerings to bless you, Lord, that your kingdom would expand in this community. Uh, we pray you give us wisdom in that. And, Lord, maybe we can enjoy um, this time of, of praise uh, because you are worthy of all praise and worship. In Jesus' name, amen.